into cybersecurity, there's a ton of content out there. And if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. What's up, folks? Welcome back to the normal stream. Today is Monday, August 14th, 2023. Welcome to episode number 429 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and as I readjust my desk here and get it kind of in a way that makes sense for me in this camera angle, I want to welcome you all. We are going to be shredding through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day over the next 45 minutes. Me, you, Jessica Probst, James McQuiggan, Carrie, Matt McDaniel, Jeffrey, we got newcomers like Joe, folks over on LinkedIn, folks over on YouTube, maybe some first timers who we picked up at Black Hat DEF CON. We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. My man, Marcus Kyler in the house. Good to see you, Marcus. Uh, we'll get more to the uh, Simply Cyber community meetup at the mid-roll and jaw jacking. But guys, right now, what we're all about, we're all about shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day because you know what? <laughs> we can have a good time. We can go to conference. We can go out in the desert, high five. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we got to come back. We got to get uh, back to the grind uh, because bad guys, threat actors, they <laughs> they don't stop. Uh, and that's, you know, the blessing and the curse of this, uh, this industry and this job. So let's get to it, right? Let me just say, uh, it's been a minute, guys. Like, I know I just did the stream on Friday, but I'm like, uh, out of it. Um, guys, seriously, I want to remind all of you that each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So over the next hour, we're going to be earning that. And realistically, guys, since I do go an hour now, it's probably worth a full CPE. CPE and I've been shortchanging you, but... Uh, I say half a CPE because originally I was like trying for 30, 45 minutes. So actually, each episode is worth a full CPE. Uh, so don't worry about it if you're thinking one's not big a big deal. It does uh, stack. So you know half. If we go with half, it's two and a half a week. If we go with a full, it's five a week, right? You typically only need 20 to 40 a year. So I mean, you could you can crank that out in like a month or less. It's definitely worth it. If, if you want to know how to kind of capture that, just say something in chat. Take a screen cap with the date and you'll be off and running same for team replay if you're not sure what to say hashtag team live in chat jazzy jazz knows what's cracking say what's up hashtag team live like leela barbie just did james udakudo knocking that out on a monday morning guys if you're watching on replay hashtag team replay i love myself some team replay gotta tell you a lot of people walking up to me in vegas high five i mean saying hey i'm team replay i appreciate that love myself some team replay especially the west coast folks um and if you're 
first time here. I know Joe just found the channel last week. If it's your first time here, maybe you heard about it at Simply um, at Simply CyberCon. Maybe you heard about it at DEFCON or Black Hat. Let us know in chat, hashtag first timer. We do love welcoming our first timers. If this is your first daily cyber threat brief podcast, holler at us, let us know. Hey, Matthew Natchi, AC, uh, Arizona, 5 a.m. I feel you. I do feel you, brother. Um, if you are uh, shy, introverted, maybe you went to DEF CON and you were like, oh, I'm so nervous about who to talk to or whatever. Hashtag passive observer. Let's kick that. Let's kick that habit and get you sorted out real quick. Come into the light of the uh, networking hashtag passive observer and let us welcome you. Glenn Sievert with his first time on the stream. My man, Kirk Thomas, first time on the stream. Welcome. Welcome to the both of you. Great to have you. Absolutely delightful. Can't wait. Uh, Peter Lee ordered the Simply CyberCon shirt. You're going to love that. I was rocking mine at the community meetup. What do we got here? Brittany with her first time. Hey, Brittany, good to see you. I'm going to take a slug of this coffee. I definitely need it today, y'all. Mm. Oh, good God. So good. Matt McDaniel still there. Yes, Matt McDaniel's still in Vegas. I know, Matt. Definitely good to see you. It was great to see you at the meetup too, Matt. Um, okay, what are we doing? Oh, yeah. Definitely before we get into the stream, I want to say what's up and thank you for the stream sponsors who enable me to bring this wonderful podcast 429 times in a row um starting with my good friend eric taylor at barricade cyber solutions barricade cyber solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done cyber talks cyber talks <laughs> who's who says that <laughs> cyber talks cyber cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated hardworking business owners into turmoil but Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at BarricadeCyber.com. You can see James McQuiggan, not only IT, dropping those Barricade Cyber Squad emotes. If you're a squad member, you have access to that tray. Boom, I'm going to drop some myself. Thank you, Eric Taylor, for the long-time support. Also want to say much love to Anti-Siphon Training. If you got to DEF CON, you definitely saw Deb the Deb at the Black Hills Information Security booth. Maybe you gave her a high five. Black Hills Information Security Wonderful company, wonderful people. Anti-Siphon Training is the training arm of that company. If you don't know, now you know. Welcome to Anti-Siphon Training. This is their website right here. What I really want to call your attention to is their training tab and then live training. And then their pay what you can training. You see the pay what you can training right here? This is where it's at, guys. If you know, if you're just breaking into the industry, if you got some financial constraints. If you want to get some training and not be, you know, basically pay gated from it, check out their pay what you can courses. There's eight of them. I have taken the active defense and cyber deception one, the bottom left one. Phenomenal course taught by John Strand. So is SOC core skills and getting started with MITRE attack. John Strand's a legend and uh, just a really nice guy. Uh, very inspiring to me personally. Like I model Simply Cyber after... John Strand and Black Hills Information Security, if that's any indication of what they are like. So definitely check them out. Thanks for the support. Also want to say much love to Panopsi Security, but more about them at the mid-roll, because I don't want to I don't want to overwhelm y'all with uh sponsor reads. Alright, guys, we got a great show for you today. Super pumped. We got it's Callan's Art of the Week. Um, I did appropriate Callan's Art of the Week for my own special piece of art, uh, just because. 
Um, we got a new couch this weekend too, which is kind of a big deal. Big, big, huge, like um, comfy couch. It's basically like a giant bed in our living room. So we hung out and watched movies last night. It was good to reconnect with my family after being away for um, Black Hat DEFCON. All right, guys, we got a lot of jaw jacking to do, so let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it. Sit back, relax, and let the cool sounds Fashy! of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. I will see you guys at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Monday, August 14th, 2023. Ford says cars with Wi-Fi vulnerability still safe to drive. The Ford Motor Corporation is warning of a buffer overflow vulnerability in its SYNC 3 infotainment system used in many Ford and Lincoln vehicles, which could allow remote code execution, but says that vehicle driving safety is not impacted. The vulnerability is tracked as CVE 2023-29468 and is in the WL18XX MCP driver for the Wi-Fi subsystem incorporated in the driver's infotainment system. This could allow an attacker in Wi-Fi range to trigger buffer overflow using a specially crafted frame. The vulnerability affects a range of vehicles from the 2021 to 2022 model years. Ford promises to make a software patch available soon, which customers will be able to load on a USB stick and install on their vehicles. Okay, couple couple things here. One, um, you know, first of all, like how far have we come that Ford releases a, a notification out to its consumer base about um, a Wi-Fi vulnerability, you know, and, and basically mitigating the risk. Now, a couple interesting things here. One, Ford... This is really interesting because Ford is the manufacturer of the car. They're not a software company. They're not a technology company, right? But because their product, just like so many other products, has technology integrated into it, they kind of are. How many customers are going to load a patch on a US? Yeah, no kidding. Exactly, BSEC. We'll get into that in just a hot minute. So so first of all, I appreciate that um, vendors, regardless of what they are, um, are, are willing to recognize that software and software vulnerabilities are important. Second of all, this is a critical vulnerability, 8896, but Ford is saying it's not a safety risk. So this is really interesting. Um, and it goes an inch, you know, it goes a layer deeper when we're talking about vulnerability management and what exposure is and how to do risk calculations, right? This is like dumping a little bit of vulnerability management in the mixing bowl and a little bit of GRC in the mixing bowl, cracking two eggs and stirring it around, right? So. Even though this is a really gnarly CVSS score of, they gave it an 88 to 96, which by the way, like, what are we doing here? What, <laughs> why are we doing ranges, friend? Like, pick a number, stick with it. What do you, like, what do you, like, I, don't get me started on number ranges. Like, okay. So let's just say for the sake of argument, it's a 96, right? Just to kind of push it. They don't have any examples of it being exploited in the wild, which is why it's not a 10. It can be remotely executed, but I would argue that it is remotely remote code executable. However, you have to be within range of the wireless network on the car itself, which let's be honest, like what, like what, maybe 50 feet tops. So it's not remote code in the true sense of like anybody on the internet could blow out your, uh, your Lincoln continental, right. And get, get it, you know, up on three wheel motion or something. Right. No. You got to be close to it. So first of all, that greatly limits the actual 
um, exposure of it, which I would argue brings it lower than a 9.6, but I digress. Um, secondly, it's a buffer overflow. So those who say that buffer overflows don't exist, you're mistaken. I just did a buffer overflow last Monday on stream um, on the Haiku Pro range. So <clears throat> if you want to see how a buffer overflow actually looks and works, uh, I went into new debugger last Monday and actually stepped through uh, instruction execution and showed you where uh, you can overflow the buffer in memory. Uh, finally, what I would say is their remediation plan and BSEC touched on this already. Um, I, I will give, I'll explain the range in a second. Um, I, I touched, uh, BSEC touched on this already. The, the, the recommendation, you got to remember guys, you don't like your, your car, your Ford Mustang, right? It's not a Roomba. It doesn't back into like a, a docking station at the end of the day and charges up, right? It's, it's, it's a contained, arguably air-gapped system-ish. <clears throat> so in order to, to, to remediate this issue, you have to push a patch to it via USB, which is actually how you address air gap systems typically anyways. Um, BSEC says how many people are actually going to receive a USB in the mail and then plug it in. In reality, I would argue Ford is going to issue, it would be in Ford's best interest to issue a recall and have you take it to a Ford dealership and then plug it in and have the technicians do it there. If they're just sending out... Um, USBs, first of all, USBs, I'm not saying that they're free or they're like super, super, I mean, excuse me, I'm not saying USB drives are super expensive, but dude, like if they had 10 million USB uh, cars out on the road, that's 10 million USB drives. I mean, that's not, that's not nothing. Um, second of all, you're expecting my Aunt Dorothea to understand, like my Aunt Dorothea is not getting down on the ground and like going up under the driver's dash to plug in a USB drive because you know there's no it's not a USB drive next to the cigarette lighter and for for those youngs and <laughs> for those youngs in the audience there literally used to be cigarette lighters in cars uh, which is hilarious and now they're just like um, power adapters uh, haircut fish says Ford uses proprietary software on their cars which may require the upgrades that you have to go to Ford to do so yeah exactly um, Dan like either you got to you eat Chances are the USB drive is going to be a plug and play solution, right? So, um, oh, it is in the infotainment system. Okay, so I guess it's not so bad. One final thing I'll I'll touch on this before I move on. If you are a threat actor, right? Not a bad time to invest in uh, USB malware, right? If you could figure out some, here's the thing, like what's the objective? But if you could figure out some way, some some payload, some value for you to install on someone's Ford car, this would be the time to send out these malicious USBs to Ford vehicle owners, and they would gladly plug it right in because they, they've been told to. So um, you got to deal with that, um, that potential attack vector and risk. But whatever. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm glad that Ford is uh, doing this. Uh, obviously, they're downplaying the safety issue, i.e. this wireless vulnerability will not result in your car driving off a ditch or exploding into flames like the Pinto in the 70s. Ooh, a little bit of a, a, a throwback there. Um, and then finally, really, really quick, um, Jesse had asked, why is it 8.8 uh, to 9.6? Uh, you could see they're arguing that the confidentiality integrity of the impacted systems could, could, you know, could vary from system to system, right? So just because it's like one system, 
you might have different vehicles, right? My argument or my, my thing is with CVSS scores, if you can look here really quickly, come on, man, the stupid Adobe plugin. With CVSS scores, um, you can see here, there is a calculation, right? If you look at CVSS and how it's calculated, um, version three, like I won't, I won't break this down into like what we're actually looking at, but basically it's like, how do you attack it? How, like how physically close do you have to be to it? What level of permissions do you need to be? And then what's the impact of confidentiality, integrity, and availability, the old CIA triad. So they're arguing that, um, the, you could see, you could, you could basically see right here, right? That see how it says H for high and L for low. That's, that's how they're changing the calculation. Same with availability right here, H and L. So, I mean, uh, for integrity, H and L, these, these two values right here is why they have two different scores. Okay. That's all there is to it. Cyber safety review board to analyze cloud security in wake of Microsoft hack. A U.S. government review board will examine the suspected Chinese cyber espionage operation that breached Microsoft's email authentication system and nabbed American officials' emails. This according to the Department of Homeland Security speaking on Friday. The Cyber Safety Review Board, a public and private entity established via presidential executive order in 2021 in wake of the solar winds breach and then launched in 2022, will review the incident as part of a broader look at the, quote, malicious targeting of cloud computing environments, end quote, and, quote, focus on approaches that government, industry, and cloud service providers should employ to strengthen identity management and authentication in the cloud, end quote. This from the agency speaking in a statement. Okay, so a couple things. A um, couple things. One, I, I didn't realize there was a cyber safety review board. So when I see that term, it makes me think of like um, the FAA board. I forget what they're called, but like whenever there's like a major airline accident, they are the ones that go retrieve the black box and do the analysis and try to make it so that bad that bad doesn't happen again. So I'm not sure if it's just a naming convention or if that's kind of like what their what their mission is. This this team right here is to go um, look at major breaches. NTSB, thank you, uh, BSEC. So uh, if that's the case, good on them. Uh, it also sounds like they're only investigating massive um, national security issues such as um, solar winds, which is arguably the most elegant, sophisticated cyber attack in history. Um, I, I would love to have that discussion uh, someday with somebody, right? Like Stuxnet was obviously elegant, but uh, SolarWinds was unbelievable. And uh, now they're talking about this Microsoft hack, which remember, this is the one where they got like the golden, um, the golden key, uh, like a certificate where they could sign things on the back end. It was originally reported like 25 email accounts and then it came out, it was much, much worse. Um, Two things. One, I don't know what is the disposition of this group, right? With NTSB, you know, if they find like, oh, you know, you're not supposed to fly when there's tailwinds, like all of a sudden going forward, all flights will not fly when there's a tailwind. And I know that that's not an actual thing. I'm just making a point here um, on when the NTSB does an investigation and they discover something like a, basically it's a lesson learned in a process improvement that they integrate. Um, people follow that. So I don't know what the cyber safety review board, if that's the case, that's going to be dude. Uh, tech is wild, wild west, right? 
So, you know, uh, I'm not sure how many standards you can implement and how many, um, you know, best practices you can force people to follow, right? With, with the FAA, you don't fly unless you follow best practice, right? Like there's laws. Uh, they can't do that so much. Um, and then finally, uh, I'm going to be, hold on. I'm going to be cool. I'm going to be cool. Jenny Easterly. Uh, oh my God. Stop rolling. Jenny Easterly here. Oh my God. What is going on with this? All right. I'm not going to highlight it. Jenny Easterly, director at CISA, um, made a comment about effective shared responsibility model requires persistent focus on potential systemic risks in cloud environments. Right. A hundred percent agree with Jen here. Um, Basically, guys, if we're going to solve some of these major problems, we have to do public-private sector. Thank you, squad, for the emotes. Uh, final, final, final thing I'll say is thank goodness, thank goodness everybody agrees that cloud, especially AWS, Google Compute, and Microsoft Azure, are critical infrastructure. They are critical infrastructure, period, full stop, right? They are. Uh, just as a quick digression... Just as a quick digression, Jen Easterly mentioned here, Jen was at B-Sides Las Vegas. Jen was at Black Hat. Jen was at DEF CON. I did not get to meet Jen. I know CJ got to meet Jen. Um, I think Allison Van Stone got to meet Jen. Like, there, a lot of people got to meet Jen. Um, and I'm super happy for you. Uh, I would have been a puddle. I would have been a puddle. I do, I, do, I do love me some Jen Easterly. A huge fan of Jen Easterly. Um, so anyways, if you got to meet her, if you got to high five her, uh, you know how cool she is and uh, good on you. We'll give Jen a little bit of love there with the emotes. All right, so let's keep going. Obviously critical infrastructure. Hold on, so Brian W actually has a comment here. The 15 person cybersecurity review board is tasked with evaluating major cyber incidents and making recommendations to remediate them. It was established to provide a definitive history of major events, okay. Well, good, good on him. Night ransomware distributed in fake TripAdvisor complaint emails. Night ransomware, spelled K-N-I-G-H-T, is a That's recent rebrand of the Cyclops ransomware <laughs> as a service, which switched its name at the end of July of this year. This new email spam campaign pretends to be a TripAdvisor complaint. The emails include a zip file attachment or an HTML link. This leads to a fake browser window that pretends to be a complaint submitted to a restaurant asking the user to review it. However, clicking the Read Complaint button will download an Excel XLL file, which leads to file encryption. Expert. All right. Um, okay, so let's see. I'm just looking. A couple things here. Br browser in the browser. Um, okay, here's a graphic of what we're looking at. Okay, so TLDR, uh, two things to talk about here. Yeah, exactly. Night Studios. Two things to talk about here. A, um, this is just garden variety phishing email to initial infection to ransomware, right? They didn't mention lateral movement, but you can imagine that there's some lateral movement uh, behavior in there. This is this is garden variety threat actor behavior. Okay, so don't don't get JID ask if the cloud's been certified as critical infrastructure. No, as far as I know, cloud is not definitively defined according to the United States federal government as critical infrastructure. Those that, that's like sixteen different domains. 
But what I'm saying is if the fact that there's a federal agency or a federal, you know, gang of the cybersecurity review board that is enabled to uh, investigate and then, uh, you know, get findings and stuff and then uh, filter that back into CISA through public private sector partnership. That to me means that the government has recognized it as critical infrastructure. Okay, so back to this TripAdvisor story. This is straight garden variety. Uh, this is definitely an opportunity to educate your end users and if, and okay, your PR department and your marketing department, okay? Here's the deal. This is actually pretty clever, right? TripAdvisor, Yelp, right? You could swap Yelp and TripAdvisor in and out or whatever, you know, whatever um, like review uh, site you have. When someone says you've got this complaint, most business owners are going to want to know what it is because they want to address it head on, either respond in kind, make it right for the customer, whatever it is. So this is definitely uh, a good hook. Okay. Good fishing has good hooks and this one's got a good one. Okay. Now, basically when you hit read complaint, you can see here in the uh, screenshot that it's got this Excel file in the uh, download tray. That's what happens when you click read complaint. You absolutely, at this point, should be like, what in the hell is go? Sorry, Kennedy. You should be like, what in the crap is going on right now, okay? First of all, the browser is showing a PDF HTML that is local on your box, okay? So that, first of all, should send alarm bells ringing. Second of all, when you hit recomplain, it downloads an Excel file. Also, not a good situation. So there are a lot of hallmarks here of um uh you know of indication of of malicious behavior but i got to tell you you know marketing people carl whoever and this is no disrespect to those people but oftentimes they're hyper focused on like doing their job getting it done and just click 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 right like who hasn't click 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 through pop-ups and eulas and all that other stuff right uh, so just be mindful of that. The fact that it's night ransomware doesn't matter. It could be called flaming donkey ransomware. It doesn't matter. It's just ransomware. It's just an attack vector. This is a good one to educate your end users about as far as like, hey, watch out. Um, this is a new, a new approach to infection. Let's urge FTC to modernize health breach notification rules as comment period closes. The public comment period for the Federal Trade Commission's proposed changes to its health breach notification rules closed last Tuesday with a variety of consumer protection and privacy organizations urging their adoption while highlighting how inadequate health privacy regulations are for the digital age. Numerous apps collect an unprecedented amount of health data and share it with third parties for marketing and other purposes, the agency said in explaining the proposed update to the rules. Many of these practices are not covered by the HIPAA Act, the agency said in a press release. Among the changes the FTC has proposed, revising several definitions to clarify that the health breach notification rule can be applied to health apps and similar technologies not covered by HIPAA, clarifying that a, quote, breach of security, end quote, under the rule includes the unauthorized acquisition of identifiable health information triggered by a data security breach or an unauthorized disclosure, and expanding requirements for what consumers whose data has been breached should be told. All right, this is 100% true. Uh, many of you know that I've worked in uh, healthcare uh, extensively in the past. I would argue if you ever get a chance to work in healthcare, it's absolutely worth it. Um, 
really, really interesting, challenging environment because of the user population and because of just the variety of uh, data and systems you're dealing with. Uh, Leonardo's dropping ad blocker will help you stay 90% safe on the internet. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, we have 330 folks tuning in right now. Oh, hot damn. Look at that. Hey, guys. Look at that. 330. Good to see you all beautiful people today. All right. So check this out. HIPAA has been um, desperate need of updating for years. I, I want to say HIPAA came out in like uh, 96, right? So think about <laughs> think about 1996, right? Like uh, like semi-charm life was like hot on the radio and uh, doot, 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 right? Like, like, you know, Jenko jeans were in style. And I didn't have a cell phone. You know what I'm saying? So, like, like things were way different, okay? And we are in desperate, desperate need of updating. Now, second of all, I find it interesting that the FTC is urging this uh, public comment period and the revision, right? As far as I know, the FTC is not the body behind HIPAA, um, right? Hold on one second. I I'm, almost, I'm like 99% sure that uh, HIPAA is not by the FTC. Yeah, they're from the HHS, right? Obviously. Uh, health, and, health and Human Services. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. So right, right off the rip, I'm like, why is the FTC? Now, the FTC, obviously, their charge is basically, um, their charge is basically to make sure that consumers are protected. Like me, you, Jesse, Marcus, Jonathan, right? Like we're supposed to be protected. Um, there is a huge gap here. If you think you're doing anything in health care in your data as a as a patient, as a consumer, if you think your data is safe, you're gravely mistaken, okay? There is a lot of obvious things. You go to the doctor, they give you a, a test, they find out that you're, um, you have some condition, you're pregnant, right? They cannot disclose that without your permission to other healthcare providers and such. And that was, the idea was supposed to be to protect you. Well, Check this out. Like, let's just say, for example, this is a perfect example. Let's say you have this Garmin watch, right? I'm a runner. This thing tracks like my aer aer aerobic, <laughs> my aerobic and anaerobic, uh, my my distance, my heart rate, all this other crap. Um, the Apple uh, iPhone has the health app that has like, you know, your sleep patterns and your caloric intake and all this other jazz, right? If you ask Apple to sign a business associate agreement, which is supposed to be uh, uh, um, an agreement between non-healthcare and healthcare in, or in order to transact on uh, patient data, Apple will be like, why? Why would we sign something? We're not a healthcare provider. We're not a business associate. We're not doing any of that stuff, right? And if you ask like a hospital or you know maybe a medical university, <clears throat> why like if this data, they'll say, no, 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 no. Jer like Jerry's healthcare data on Jerry's Apple iPhone, that's Jerry's data. That's not our data. Jerry is grant Jerry owns that data. Jerry's responsible for sharing that data and making sure that the appropriate agreements are in place. So it's a lot of hot potato, not my not my data kind of thing um, when it comes to this. And as they point out in the story, dude, so many apps are generating data. So many apps are sharing data. So much data is being sold. They, they specifically call out Amazon, which, like, dude, come on. Cash, Amazon's one of the most, I mean, Amazon, it's, it's not a surprise. Amazon's one of the 
richest companies in the world. They have massive amounts of data. I haven't heard of Amazon Clinic before, but I'm sure that has something to do with sending you medicine, right? Amazon Clinic, they say, oh, no, no, like that's this data is not covered under HIPAA. It has nothing to do with patient care. You know, the fact that you're ordering this medicine, the fact that you're ordering this type of like, um, you know, uh, you know, sugar analyzer device, whatever, that has nothing to do with your healthcare. So, and Amazon's taking the data and straight up selling it, right? Dude, we live, I say this all the time. I should get a t-shirt that says it. We live in the gilded age of data, right? Data is the new gold. The wealthiest people in the world are selling data. That's what's up, right? Selling our data, frankly. Uh, so anyways, I'm super pumped about this. I hope it does turn into, um, it advances for consumers like you and I. Get the tinfoil hat on uh, really quickly. Tinfoil hat, because this is just coming across my mind and I want to share it. Tinfoil hat. This is the benefit of having my own <laughs> my own show. I can just like flip out on this. Check this out. Okay. I, I hope this comes to fruition and there is uh, benefits, but you've got to remember the wealthiest company in the world or wealthiest companies in the world, they, you know what they can do? They can make really huge financial donations to lawmakers, politicians, right? Hey, want you to be successful in 2024, which is next year. Want you to win that Senate race. Want you to win that presidential race. Want you to, uh, you know, you're the incumbent. Oh, by the way, like this FTC rule is really going to impact our bottom line. So maybe, maybe you push that down the road or maybe you have a carve out for apps or maybe you have like the rules say something about like um, uh, opting in by default and opt out by, you know, uh, having to explicitly opt out. You see what I'm saying? Lobbyists, straight cash, homie. Like, I hate to be such a negative, a negative uh, person, not negative, but like, you know what I mean? I hate to be so cynical. But at the end of the day, man, straight cash, homie, it makes changes. And what you're talking about doing is updating lawmaking that would severely impact the ability to collect this data, which is the product for a lot of these wicked uh, wealthy businesses. So just saying, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But what we don't have in the United States is GDPR, okay? All right, let's keep rolling. And now a word from our sponsor, Vaza. Coffee cup cheers. 75% of breaches have- You know what's funny, uh, Sean? I was gonna say negative Nancy, and I felt like that was, that was not fair to anybody named Nancy in chat. I did not want to say negative Nancy because I didn't want like Nancy in Kansas to be like, well, God dang, Jerry. Why, why you got to be like that? Because of bad permissions. The problem is that you don't know exactly who has access to what data in your environment. For example, roles labeled as read only can often edit and delete sensitive data. Vesa automatically finds and fixes every bad permission in every app across your environment. For more information, check out Vesa.com. That's V-E-Z-A.com. Yeah, actually, okay, so Justin Gold does bring up a point. Okay, I am sorry. <laughs> I am sorry for Carl. Carl got pushed in. Uh, Carl got pushed in. I'm sorry. So Nancy, Karen, Debbie, you guys are all safe. Carl. <laughs> Carl, I'm sorry, Carl. 
I'm sorry. All right, guys. Hey, if it's your first time here, um, we do this every day, and it's all about good times. All right, guys. want to take a hot minute and thank all of you, all 337 of you wonderful people, for spending your Monday morning or Monday evening, depending on where you are, with the Simply Cyber community. If you're getting educational value, if you're getting entertainment value from the stream, do me a favor and do tomorrow's first timers a favor hit the like button right now what it's going to do is trigger the algorithm to tell other people who are on the platform who are generally looking for cybersecurity content that we are over here 330 people who like cyber content are liking this stream which obviously pays it forward so please do me a hot uh, favor and just pay it forward a little bit yeah almost 350 that would be if we crest 350 um, we would set a new record, so definitely enjoy that. Want to say thank you again to the stream sponsors, starting with Barricade Cyber and Anti-Siphon Training. I mentioned them on the intro. Really all about good times. Holler at Panopsi Security. Really quickly, guys, Panopsi Security is all about partnering with your business in order to provide insights and visibility into what your actual security posture is so then you can make an informed cyber security strategy. Now, that's a lot of big talk and big words, and we're not on the golf course right now, so what the hell, sorry, what the crap does that actually mean? Here's what it means. If you are responsible for InfoSec at a business and you're kind of just like floating around with no actual proactive plan, you're just reacting to incidents, that is not a good way to behave. What you really need to do is develop a three, one to three year roadmap and have a plan. Where are your major risks? How are you gonna reduce them? What kind of budget do you need next year? When do you need to hire people, all right? The business wants to know that. And if you're like, I don't know, can we just hire someone? Without any kind of justification or business case, you look like a bonehead. So in order to actually do it well, a quantified risk assessment is a great way to do it. Panopsi can help you with that. They come in, they look at your people, process, and tech. They give you a security assessment and then with that, you could say, holy crap, hey business, we gotta roll MFA out now because we've got these serious risks. And next year, we're gonna roll out identity and access management. And three years from now, when we're a maturity level of 2.5, we're gonna do DLP. Just kidding, no one really should do DLP. It's a nightmare. My point is Panopsi Security, link in the description below, holler at you. Uh, yeah, Dylan, I'll explain the CPEs in a minute. Guys, I want to uh, remind everybody, Jenny, can you tell me who's got it? Uh, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge is an amazing uh, initiative that we've started, and it has helped many, many, many people um, um, improve their um, LinkedIn feed and community. So what is this? Really quickly, every single day someone gets tagged with the um, Simply Cyber Community Challenge baton. Sublime Ghost currently has the baton. Thank you, Jenny. Sublime Ghost will tag somebody. Here's what you need to do if you want to take advantage and get the value from this initiative. Go on LinkedIn. Search for this hashtag, hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Connect with the people who are posting. Connect with the people who are commenting. Just say, just say you saw them on the community challenge. They will accept your connection. Comment yourself so you get picked up into that slipstream, that peloton of people connecting with people. Why, Jerry? What's the impact? Here is the value to you. In about two weeks, you will notice A, that your network has grown significantly, and B, your LinkedIn feed 
will be supercharged with inclusive, valuable cybersecurity content instead of a bunch of freaking ads and content you don't care about. Take control of your network, build it. I Trust me, you will absolutely get value from it. I can't tell you when or how, believe me, this is the best thing you could do for yourself, especially if you're just starting on LinkedIn. All right, guys, really quickly, it is Callan's Art of the Week. Every single um, every single day, or every single Monday, Callan does some piece of art. I've decided to appropriate it. I just wanted to share the Simply Cyber. I wanted to do a photograph for my Art of the Week. The Simply Cyber Community Meetup came out. Um, I just wanted to share this. I wanted to thank all of you. I know not all of you could make it to the community meetup. And this isn't like a FOMO thing. I just wanted to take a minute and and express my genuine um, appreciation for the people who showed up, as well as all of you who are part of the Simply Cyber community. Thank you all so very much. This was amazing. Uh, Christina uh, suggesting the site. We had some newcomers. This guy on the right here with the white shirt. That's Peter. He came from Denmark. First time here. We got Finn Frock in the background. You guys know Finn Frock, right? I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. That's right. James McQuiggan standing right next to me. Alyssa Knight in the back. Luke here. Marcus Kyler. CJ. Uh, Brady McNulty. Rod. Gail Salins. Carlos, who's on his way to breaking in. He's listening right now in the truck. What's up, Carlos? Uh, guys, just genuinely, genuinely, genuinely thank you. Thank you all so very much. I hope you can make it to the next one. All right, guys. Let's slide back into the news and save a little bit of time for jawjacking. New System BC malware variant targets Southern African Power Company. An unknown threat actor has been linked to a cyber attack on a power generation company in quote. What? Hold on. I had to hit pause on this. Nick Barker, starting today, cloud support, my man. Yes, Nick. Crush it, my friend. Straight crush it. Southern Africa, end quote, with a new variant of the system BC malware called Droxydat, D-R-O-X-I-D-A-T, as a precursor to a suspected <laughs> ransomware attack. This is according to Kurt Baumgartner, principal security researcher at Kaspersky's global research and analysis team. The Russian cybersecurity company said the attack, which took place in late March of this year, was in its early stages and involved the use of Droxydat to profile the system and proxy network traffic using the SOX-5 protocol to and from command and control infrastructure. Kaspersky has not yet named the country in question. Okay, couple things here. I won't spend a terrible amount of time on this story. Um... <laughs> what? Listen to this. The identity of the threat actor behind the wave of attacks is currently unknown, but it's suspected to be Pistachio Tempest. What? <clears throat> Who named that one? Dustin Gray started in a sock a week ago. Yes, yes. Yes. Love it, love it, love it. Guys, I love I love celebrating the wins um, of the Simply Cyber community members. You guys are the best. Absolutely killing it. So watch out, <clears throat> excuse me, watch out Flaming Donkey for Pistachio Tempest. And just as a quick aside, really, if you're new here, Flaming Donkey, there's an emote people are dropping in chat right now. Flaming Donkey is a fictitious APT that I created, or we, we as a community created, <laughs> just because the names are so silly. But uh, Pistachio Tempest, you got to watch out for them. All right, there's two things I want to share about this one, right? Um, targeting a Southern African power company, um, you know, it's one of two things. 
South Africa or Southern Africa uh, is not typically targeted. So I'm thinking one of two things happened here. One, it was a uh, spurious hit, meaning like a just, you know, opportunity hit uh, and they went for it. Or two, it's deliberate and going after some value there. I do know that uh, China, China is building an a load of infrastructure in Africa. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it will be worth your time to Google China Africa infrastructure and go down that rabbit hole. I'll see you at lunchtime if you do decide to go down that rabbit hole. The second thing um, I would point out is it's unlikely that it was an opportunistic spurious hit simply because this cyber, uh, this, this attacker definitely seems to be sophisticated. They've got Cobalt Strike, which, I mean, is a pretty popular post-exploitation framework for bad guys. But what I wanted to call your attention to is the use of the SOX 5 protocol for their C2 infrastructure. Or, or well, not the infrastructure, but um, for, communi <clears throat> for communicating, excuse me. So check this out. Um, you need to, like... Basically, when you infect a machine, right, you need to communicate out with some type of uh, control system in order to tell it what to do, right? Do you do you execute a payload? Do you do data exil? Do you take screenshots? Do you do key logging? Whatever it is, you want to tell it what to do. Um, I don't see SOX5 protocol very often. I am not really familiar with SOX5. What you typically see is like, you can do it over DNS. You see it over HTTP and HTTP, well, HTTPS, right? An encrypted channel. Sometimes you see it over um, less common uh, protocols. I've never seen SOX uh, 5 protocol. Uh, SOX 5 provides authentication, so only authorized users may access the server. They're probably taking advantage of that in order to somewhat protect their C2 infrastructure. So law enforcement... Um, Law enforcement can't get up in their face, right? Also, really quickly, uh, SOX performs at layer five of the OSA, OSI model, the session layer. Very interesting. Um, personally, when I teach, and if you've taken the GRC Analyst Masterclass, you know this for a fact. When I teach, I literally uh, I, I treat layers five through seven, five, six, and seven, the top of the OSI. I treat them as like one collapsed stack. Uh, of the application, right? Did we do it? 351, what's up? Whoever whoever the 352nd person is on the stream, we just set a new record, y'all. Uh, congratulations. So anyways, this is really interesting. If you have a chance, um, I would look into this because you don't typically see protocols operating at that layer. You don't typically see C2 traffic going across that. Uh, so this is really interesting. And, and, and to that point, makes me think that this is a more sophisticated threat actor the final thing I'll say is since they're using Cobalt Strike, you'd have to think Cobalt Strike would support that SOX5 protocol C2. They're not going to uh, mod it out. Okay. All right. Holy crap, guys. I know it was just for a hot minute, but congratulations. Like the 352nd person dropped in here. They're like, holy crap. What are we talking about? SOX5 protocol? Wrong room. Got to go. Hackers accessed 16 years of Colorado public school student uh -oh, data Jesse. in June ransomware attack. Following up on a story we brought you last week, it appears that every student who attended Colorado public schools between 2004 and 2020 had their personal information accessed by criminal hackers. The Colorado Department of Higher Education published the revelation in a notice on Friday saying it was attacked by a ransomware gang during an eight-day period in mid-June. 
also affected are certain cohorts of higher education students as well as some recipients of general education development certificates and teachers licenses zoom uh yep so i hate to say this i hate to say this but um you know as as much as ransomware has become everyday normal you know order of business education whether it's higher ed or k through 12 uh public community schools they are becoming the victim du jour right we saw it in la we saw it in minneapolis we saw it in a couple other locations man like municipalities are already kind of like under understaffed underutilized underfunded uh, public school systems, definitely that way. Uh, they typically don't even have InfoSec staff. They have IT staff who are expected um, to manage these things. Uh, um, so if you are, if you live in Colorado, right? Like maybe Jesse, <laughs> et cetera. Um, obviously you have very likely were impacted by this. There isn't much you can do. This is the crappy thing with these type of things, right? Just throw another identity theft protection for two-year log on the fire and let that uh you know warm your soul in reality you've probably got like multiple identity theft protections operating in parallel um you know this isn't good I, what i will say is typically if you're doing true ransomware i know i know data exfil has been like also part of the deal where it's uh they call it double extortion technique so they they exfil your data, then they encrypt your data. And that way they sell you the decryption key and they sell you your data back. Double extortion. They get paid twice because... Um, that's right, Randy. It's all about straight cash, homie. Um, unfortunately, you know, or, or, or fortunately, I don't know if they're going to use this data if they exfil that it didn't say it in the story. The final thing I'll say, and this one is hard. This one's hard and it doesn't do any good after the breach has happened. But... 16 years of public school student data in reality in business right why are you holding on to 16 years of data this is a okay so let me just tell you guys really quickly okay like this is a more advanced hold on that looks like that looks kind of trashy with it uh over my uh thing here hold on one second it, it is a little hard to to um it's easy to say right here let's clean that up it is easy to say but the reality is you should, oh, James McQuiggan with the super chat. Kudos on 352. Simply Cyber is the best daily cyber news show. Now we have to get the host from Darknet Diaries on the show. That's right. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much, James McQuiggan, for the super chat. All right, guys, here's the deal. Listen, with data, you create it, you manage it, you and just like systems that you're supposed to decommission, you should have a data management life cycle. This is a more advanced technique. It's a real big pain in the butt, but you should do it. Why did they have 16 years worth of data? Was there any business case for it? I don't know. Probably not. But the thing is, it becomes easy to just hoard data and hold it. Oh, we might use it. Oh, we might run some analytics. Oh, the data science people like it. Give me a justification. Give me a reason, right? A lot of times it'll just sit there because it's not a squeaky wheel. No one's complaining that, oh, we have access to this data. Now, when you have a data breach like this, oh, well, you just compounded the impact of that data breach. You feel me? So again, this is really hard to do, but y'all, um, 
Exactly. BSEC says seven years was the gold standard for deletion. Exactly. So if you are an InfoSec practitioner at your business and you have reams and reams and hordes and hordes of data, might be worth introducing the question if you're slightly more uh, more mature program, right? If you don't even have multi-factor authentication in place, you really should attack that first and not deal with data lifecycle. But when you're ready, when you reach that level of maturity in your organization, not you as a person, consider data management lifecycle because what you're doing is minimizing the impact of an of a data breach. That's the deal, guys. At the end of the day, GRC, our responsibility is to reduce risk. How do we do that? We reduce likelihood by patching things and doing network segmentation and all that. And we reduce the impact by making sure the data isn't there or what they have access to is limited or whatever. Those are your two options, likelihood and impact. Reduce one of them, reduce both of them. Do a good job. 16 years of data, hot, hot mess. Hot mess express. Yes, and make your goals reachable. Be realistic, right? I mean, you got to have a plan. ZTP and audio codes phones flaws uncovered, exposing users to eavesdropping. Multiple security vulnerabilities have been disclosed in audio codes Thanks, Tim. desk phones Be good. and Zoom's zero-touch provisioning ZTP that could be potentially exploited by a malicious attacker to conduct remote attacks. SYSS security researcher Moritz Abrel said in an analysis published on Friday, quote, an external hacker who leverages these vulnerabilities can gain full remote control of the devices, end quote. Such unfettered access could then be weaponized to eavesdrop on rooms or phone calls, pivot through the devices and attack corporate networks, and even build a botnet of infected devices. The research behind this was presented at Black Hat USA last week. All right. All right. Hold on one second. Uh, got a, got an infographic here. So the so this is a Zoom issue. Okay. So if we're using Zoom, you should be mindful of this, which many of us are. Second of all, the the weakness is in their zero touch provisioning. Now, you may be like, why do they have zero touch provisioning? That sounds like a, a threat actor's dream come true. You, here's the deal, guys. In large organizations, you have to centralize IT management, right? There's only one BSEC. You can't have BSEC running around to you know 18 different facilities, 90 different sites. This new sales team comes online. You can't send someone there. You can't mail them a laptop, right? I mean, you mail them a laptop. You can't go like to their desk and provision it, right? So there are centralized management provisioning tools. This is this is a tale as old as time, right? Like it's standard, so it's not it's not a, a, a ridiculous that Zoom has this zero touch provisioning feature. Okay, now making it insecure that's a problem, right? Um, security Steve wants to know about SBC with MS Teams phone. I'm not sure. I mean, the risk of this one, Steve, is in the Zoom zero touch provisioning. Okay. So I'm just looking at the infographic to appreciate it, right? So please allow me to kind of walk through this. Threat actor adds a device and assigns a config template. Okay, so first of all, the threat actor's got to have access. It, like in order to add a device, you got to have some access, right? Initiate the Zoom. Initiates that Zoom is the provisioning config server added device, yes. Uh, request the device config. Redirects the Zoom ZTP. Request device config. All right, so basically what they're doing is... They're doing a, they're rooting and getting a reverse shell on an IoT device, basically a smartphone, not smartphone, like a, um, 
like like our smartphones, but a um, an IP enabled desk phone, right? Which would be the good news is not the good news, but the news is that this is a device typically on a network. It's not uncommon for um, oh good, Sean's first day at the sock. Nice, Sean. Just drop knowledge bombs on everybody there. Okay, um, so here, this seems like a, a bad situation, but it also seems like the threat actor already has to be kind of in your Zoom tenant, for lack of a better term, so they would have to be some initial phishing of creds, etc. Second of all, all they do is get access to a device on your network, which is terrible, which is terrible, um, but they just own the phone. Then they'd have to move laterally from there. So if you have... Your IP. Here's the thing. If you have your phones on a network segment all into themselves, then you have some type of firewall or some type of monitoring on the network. You shouldn't see east-west traffic from phones, right? Like a phone shouldn't be reaching out and, and touching the file server typically, right? So um, you can look for that. Again, this is one of those ones where I don't know how likely this is to get impacted, but it is an interesting uh, piece of research. Be mindful. I didn't say in the story whether or not Zoom has released any type of patch or update like that. So uh, I'm sure they will. And way to go, Black Hat Presentation Security Conference. Uh, definitely uh, shout out to Moritz Abrell for doing that. Um, speaking at Black Hat, speaking at DEF CON, those are career goals for me. So uh, definitely inspiring and awesome. And now, last week in ransomware. Last week saw attacks on hospitals from a relatively new ransomware gang named Rysida, R-H-Y-S-I-D-A. Most prominently, they are believed to be behind the attacks on Prospect Medical Group, impacting 17 hospitals and 166 clinics across the United States. We also saw additional reports on ransomware about Target Company, code leaks impacting the ransomware-as-a-service ecosystem, and a new threat actor using a customized version of Yashma ransomware. Ongoing fallout from Klopp's move-it data theft attacks now includes Missouri's Department of Social Services warning that data was stolen from IBM's move-it server. Europol and the U.S. Department of Justice announced the takedown of the Lolek hosted bulletproof hosting provider, saying that one of the arrested admins facilitated NetWalker ransomware attacks by hosting storage servers for the gang. All Did right. We... All right. So um, just, you know, it is Monday, so there's a ransomware roundup. We do this every um, Monday. All I would say is regardless of what your industry is, regardless of what your experience level is, regardless of what your role is, right? SOC, GRC, OFSEC, whatever. There's definitely a ransomware story in here for you in order to be able to make compelling end user awareness training, a deck for the executives, help you get budget, whatever it is, uh, dig through this. I always consider the weekend ransomware is like the, um, you know, the drawer in your kitchen that just has a bunch of crap in it, but like that's where the paper clips are and that's where like the scoop is for the, um, or or like, you know, the, the, the thing for your, uh, your, your Keurig machine that you use to like clean it once in a while, like it's in there too. Like this is the ransomware junk drawer. Um, I do want to say they did mention the takedown of the uh, Lolek uh, online dark website by Europol. Definitely appreciate that. I do not, I still, I did research after the stream the other day. I still do not understand why the IRS was involved in the takedown of the Lolek 
um, you know, a dark website, but it was. And then finally, two things really quickly. James McQuiggan, uh, shout out real quick. Um, there's a new ransomware threat actor uh, going by the name of Recita. Now, Jack Reciter spells his name differently, and he's a really good guy and does Darknet Diaries, but this is kind of crappy that there's a ransomware gang called, I, I, I would pronounce this Recita. So, and they're targeting healthcare, which is brutal uh, because healthcare is, um, you know, it sucks, man. It's patient safety. Um, you know, there's been numerous instances of people dying because of cyber threat actors, the impact, right? Getting rerouted to a different hospital, um, not having access to your medical information and doing a procedure that, you know, uh, you know, th there's been multiple examples. All right. That's going to do it for today's news. I want to say holler at you for the 345 people who are still here and the 352 who or 354 that helped set a new record. Way to go, everybody. Before you get going, I do want to remind you that later today at 4 p.m., I will be playing World of Haiku on stream. So if you uh, like good times and you want to high five and hang out, 4 p.m. Eastern time today. So in about uh, seven hours, I will go live. If you want to be reminded or whatever, go ahead and hit the uh, subscribe button. Oh, it was 362. Holy crap. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Woo. Nice job, everybody. Uh, come by at 4 p.m. later today, and we'll have a good hangout, a good social. Um, damn, y'all. Like, we're straight crushing it. All right. Now, if you were here just for the news, I bid you good day. And I would uh, ask you to return tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time for episode three, uh, 430 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. But now we're going to pivot to a little segment called Jaw Jacking. Let's do that. All right. Hey, welcome everybody to the jaw jacking segment. I have gone ahead and uh, Matthew Hibbert has accepted the Simply Cyber Community Challenge baton. So Matthew, please, uh, I look forward to your comments uh, and your post and hearing your cyber story. Um, so really quickly, this is the midnight. I do want to say thank you guys. Holy crap. Holy crap. 362. Yes. Uh, Justin Gold dropped in chat a, a new challenge. See if we can get more viewers than episode number. That would be an interesting day for sure, no doubt. Um, if you hey, if you told somebody about the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief at Black Hat DEF CON, thank you. I, I appreciate it. Um, super, super, super excited uh, and, and really, really um, grateful uh, for all of it. Hey, Gary, good to see you. Remember when Jerry was told he did too much jaw jacking? Yeah, exactly. To me, I, I love it. Gary, longtime member, because the jaw jacking thing was uh, old school. But if, if you guys are wondering where the jaw jacking segment came from, um, somebody, I don't get a lot of negative comments or, or troll, troll type comments, but uh, somebody maybe like, let's say like episode 30, you know, I was still kind of figuring out the format. Somebody commented like this show would be great if you if you like actually um didn't waste my time with all this jaw jacking or something like that they, they basically said that i'm saying a lot of words without actually saying anything and um you know i i actually 
uh, thanked them for their feedback and gave them a different cyber news podcast that they could enjoy um, somewhere else. Uh, and then we appropriated Jaw Jackie and made it our own. Uh, Samantha S with the super chat. Thank you, Samantha. Everyone should start their week with a daily dose of Simply Cyber. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, uh, Mike Hightower says, Dr. Gerald Osher, have you had Kona coffee? It's life-changing. I have not had Kona coffee. I've had Kona Brewing Company beer, uh, but I haven't had Kona coffee. Uh, definitely worth checking out, though. Um, let's see. Awesome day. Simply Cyber 362. Got to get out of here. All right, Eddie, be good. Thanks so much. Hey, Sherry. Excuse me, doctor. In India are no red hats. They are called the white hats, but in the U.S. they are called red hats. Thank you. Um, I don't know, Sherry. Oh, oh, you're saying me, doctor. No red hats. They're called white hats. So, Sherry, I'm not sure what you're talking about, but what I will say, Sh Sherry and Chad mentioned different hat colors. In our industry, there's terms um, white hat, gray hat, black hat, red hat. White hat is typically security researchers that are doing uh, for good, right? If you want to look up, um, like really any security researcher uh, that's doing good is a white hat. Black hat are criminals, right? Threat actors who do things for cash money um, and they break the law. Gray hats are, are people who are in between that they, they will break the law, but they'll do it with righteous intent, right? So like, oh, I, you know, I hacked this... Um, this terrible, terrible website that uses that is like you know in human trafficking, and I brought them down and made it available to law enforcement. But I used militia, I used illegal techniques to get that. That's gray hat. Red hat. Um, okay, it comes from spy versus spy. Red hat is, um, as far as I know, red hat is just a variant of Linux that is really, really popular, and it doesn't denote any particular. Uh, capability within the information security industry. All right. Try Kona coffee. Dude, I have a ridiculous story for everybody if they want to hear it. Darius Cater, any info on the U.S. requested hack attempt on the SATs? Was curious to see if anything was announced. No, I didn't see any updates on the satellite stuff. Also, uh, DEF CON hosted an AI generative, a generative AI hacking contest. We talked about that uh, on the news uh, last Friday. Uh, way to go, Dakota State University. They actually brought a whole team to DEF CON in order to compete in that event. Um, the VTech hacker was a gray hat. Yeah, exactly. Chris Rock was admittedly both white and black. Yes, Gary. Yes. Uh, Chris Rock was definitely. Chris Rock didn't get to make it to uh, Vegas this year. I, I did message with him, though. Love me some Chris Rock. If you're if you're interested in uh, a really excellent uh, talk, Google Chris Rock. Um, this is how to overthrow a government. That talk is amazing. And Chris Rock, I will kill you. But I, I, I particularly like how to overthrow a government. Um, no, not the comedian Nick Barker. No, no. So DEFCON did... did get canceled-ish. I saw this last night on, on my feeds. So apparently there was some event on Sunday at DEF CON. So, so really quick, DEF CON, hold on. DEF CON is hosted in Caesars Forum mostly. 
there's like red team village is up in um red team blue team and crypto is up in the flamingo and whatever but there was an event of some sort at caesar's forum on sunday that caused an evacuation of caesar's forum which obviously means that defcon was impacted and i think defcon officially said like all right like that's the end of the stream or the end of the end of the stream the end of the um the conference so that sucked Crinkles, a.k.a. Scott B, says, might not be able to attend jawjacking going forward. Started as a junior sec engineer tomorrow, and my schedule is changing. I'll try to stay team live, though. My man. Way to go, Crinkles. Big, big fan. Uh, Super pumped for you. Um, If I may, can I just show you guys? I'm going to do a post. Um, I'm going to do a post here on... I'm going to do a post here on um, LinkedIn at some point, but I want to show you guys some stuff here. I just, this is like complete jaw jacking, but check this out. Um, Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Hold on one second. Where's my picture with Ed? Oh, there he is. Guys. I just want to share this with you. This right here is Ed Scotus. Ed Scotus is like an OG Sans instructor. He runs KringleCon. I saw him in the hallway. He's always wearing this hat. I was like, are you Ed? He's like, I am Ed. And I'm like, dude, just a quick minute one. Like, I I said, listen, I said, listen, I appreciate what you do. Very inspiring. You were one of the first like hacker things I've ever saw. Command line Kung Fu, which he did in like, you know, the mid nineties. He said, oh, I appreciate that. He's like, do you like beer? I said, I love beer. And he said, oh, check it out. He's like, here. Um, he's like, have this, uh, have this like incredibly hard to get mad elf Belgian beer. You can see it at the bottom of the picture. It was cold. It was cold. It was awesome. Dude was awesome. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And by the way, I just want to tell everybody that I saw Ed at B-Sides Augusta in like 2011. And he was sitting in front of me. And I was so nervous and so gummed up that I didn't say anything to him. I was just like, ugh. And when I got home from B-Sides Augusta, I told my wife about it. And how I, I was like so choked up I couldn't even speak to him. Because I didn't know what to say. I would have felt like a goober. I'm like, ugh, ugh. Like, that, that's not what I want to say to Ed Scotus. And um, she's like, why don't you just tell him that you appreciate what he does and that he's he's helped you out? And I was like, well, when you say it that way, it makes a lot of sense. So I've literally been sitting on this conversation for like 12 years. And I bumped into him and I said exactly what my wife suggested I say to him. And it was wonderful, okay? It was wonderful. So... Thanks. I actually ended up drinking this beer. Um, I actually ended up drinking this beer at the Red Team Village keynote, which was awesome. Savannah, um, Nahamsek, Hammond, and this guy, Zero Day, a.k.a. Ryan Montgomery, who I want to get on the stream as a live guest. This guy is aw- I mean, they're all awesome, right? I hadn't heard of Zero Day before. This guy's really cool. I really like this guy. Um he jokes too. He's number one on Try Hack Me, and uh, he jokes that like <laughs> he's not the best hacker in the world. Uh, but anyways, it was really really cool. It was really cool. I had a great experience. Okay, sorry to like 
thank you for allowing me to digress into that and share that with everybody. Uh, just looking at uh, chat here. Speaking of beer, there's one I tried that's made on James Island. It's so good. Strong notes of caramel. Ooh, casually Joseph, you'll have to DM me what that is because I do like that. That was at um, Red Team Village. This was at Red Team Village. This was the Red Team Village keynote. Um, so for me, I wanted to go to Red Team Village and AI Village. They were supposed to be together. Red Team Village was at Flamingo and AI Village was at the Forum. And I only had a few hours at DEF CON this year because I had to go meet with um, Night Studios to talk about my TV show. Actually, I've got an update on the TV show too if you're interested. Um, so to me, it was a priority. Here's the thing. Nahamsek, uh, John Hammond, they've both been on Simply Cyber Live. John and I hung out at Wild West Hackenfest last year. He actually attended my talk. So to me... It was very important for me to attend this talk. I, I mean, you could see I was sitting in the front row. Um, it was respect for them. It was support for them. So I didn't get to go to the AI village because this was my priority. Um, but anyways, good good times, good times. All right. Um, yeah, BSEC, red team. Yep. Yes, exactly. Pursuit of bliss. He does really, really important work around protecting children um bowling i'm still working to be a bug hunter full-time yes wives usually have great advice that's right i love my wife savannah lazara yeah she's awesome she actually has a um she she has like a bio um chip in her hand that she uses for uh, offensive security engagements. I want to ask Savannah to come on the stream as well. Here's the deal. This is such jaw jacking stuff. Uh, um, September and October, I have a lot of travel. You guys are going to notice that I don't have Simply Cyber Live a lot in uh, September and October simply because I, I have speaking engagements. I'm traveling to Wild West Hackenfest. I'm traveling to... Um, Oh my God, I rented a beach house for me and my family to disconnect from the grid. And, you know, some a lot of times people are like, Jerry, how do you have time for all this stuff you do? I compartmentalize it and I'm, I do this right now and I'm focused on this right then. And, um, you know, like, so I, like to me, it's important to, to be present with my wife, with my kids, to be dad, to be husband. Uh, so I'll be, uh, I rented a beach house in September. So anyways, long story short, I don't have a lot of Simply Cyber Lives coming up. Um, James McQuiggan, I don't know if he's still here. I don't know if you guys are into... Uh, I don't know if you guys are into chess, but James McQuiggan and I are trying to organize a chess tournament at Wild West Hackenfest this year. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Kimberly. Uh, no, it won't be at Cape Cod. It'll be in the South Carolina coast. Um... Have a good one, Elongo. Elongong. Elongo. Uh, yeah, crash override. Yeah, it is cool. Uh, uh, F eight six tune. I was driving so a little late to comment this, but I'm glad we're talking about getting jacked on the show. <laughs> Mudahar from the Saga and Metal Outlaws fed me snipers of cyber and Jack immersed me into it. Very cool, man. Uh, Real Bilbo missed the squad. Thanks again for the turn on to the midnight. Oh my God, yes. Dude, plenty of room on the midnight bus. 
get in here. I'm driving the bus. I will put a, I'll put an extension on the bus if anybody wants to get on the midnight train. Hell yeah. Thanks, Space Tacos. All right, guys. I got one more minute. I got one more minute, and then I got to boogie out of here. Yes, Nick Barker, my friend. Oh, all right, guys. Genuinely appreciate it. Congratulations on the um, on the um, on the new record. Three hundred and fifty was it? Three hundred and sixty-four people. Mind blowing. Definitely appreciate it. Uh, Jason Bagwell, I am not originally from South Carolina. I'm originally from uh, Massachusetts. When I was old enough to financially afford it, I moved because <laughs> I don't like snow. Tidbits Tuesday on Monday. I don't like snow. Snow is wicked fun if you're like skiing uh, or like sledding or whatever. You know what snow is not good for? And I'll, I'll tell this story and then I got to get out of here. Uh, uh, 2009, April 1st, April Fool's Day. Massive blizzard, a freaking blizzard in April. Unacceptable. I got up wicked early. I snow plowed my driveway, which is like brutal, right? So 4.30 in the morning, I'm out there with a snowblower, sweating my A off. Uh, my wife lived with me at the time as my girlfriend. Uh, I come in, she's made like a breakfast and a hot coffee. I'm sweaty and stink. I had it like, I was wearing like, you know, a snowsuit, so I had to take that off. I eat the breakfast, I drink the coffee, I feel good, I take a shower. I have to put, like at this time in my life, I had to wear a business suit and drive into work. So I put on my little, you know, corporate costume and I go get my briefcase and I'm like, all right, honey, I'm out of here. Like it's 1950. And I open my front door to step out to go get in my car and drive to my job. And it looked like I hadn't snow plowed anything. It was like three feet of snow. I was infuriated. I was so, so, so mad because I was gonna have to snow blow again, take off my stupid corporate costume and go repeat this whole thing. And I slammed the door and I said, we're moving. That is it. We are moving to where it does not snow. This is ridiculous. And uh, that's what we did. We literally just picked, we picked a spot off a map randomly. And uh, that's that. Yeah, that's why I don't. That's why I love remote work. That's why I wear t-shirts all the time because <laughs> I don't. Freaking suits, man! Get out of here with that noise. Uh, all right, I really got to get out of here. But thanks so, uh, thanks so much for uh, allowing me to indulge. Thank you all for being here today. I look forward to seeing some of you at four o'clock for the stream. Shout out to Lima Charlie. Uh, this is their shirt, their logo. I saw Eric Capuano posted publicly that him and Whitney aka short stack are going to be going to like going to go work with lima charlie so you can only imagine the work that eric and whitney are going to be delivering to them guys my name's jerry this has been episode 429 of the simply cyber daily cyber threat brief thank you all for making it special i'll see you tomorrow morning be well stay secure I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one. One.